Welcome to Long Distance Listening, a music podcast. Hello and welcome to Long Distance Listening. I'm Andrew. And I'm Nate. Welcome to our Colony House episode, where we will be talking to Caleb Chapman. He is the front man of Colony House about their new album, The Cannonballers. Uh, We have a really great interview. I think you guys will really enjoy it. And uh, we're kind of catching him at the beginning of this uh, cycle, talking about this album. And he has a lot of really good insight that I think you will really enjoy um, hearing maybe before listening to the full album, if you're catching it this week in the lead up to the record. And uh, yeah, we just we had a lot of fun and thank him for being on. But uh, Nate. Anything else we should say or just jump into the pod? Nobody wants to hear us talk. Let's just get to Caleb. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Here's our interview with Caleb. Today, we have the pleasure of having Caleb Chapman of Colony House with us on the podcast to discuss the quartet's fourth record, The Cannonballers. The Cannonballers releases on February 3rd, 2023, seamlessly fuses surf, indie, and alternative rock with hints of pop and singer-songwriter influences. The band has kicked ass on past records, is still going strong, showing no signs of slowing down with The Cannonballers. Caleb, welcome back to the pod. We're happy to have you. Thanks, man. Thanks, men, I should say. It's all right. Uh, only if my wife saw me that way. Um, so now we have uh, we have two new icebreaker segments for you. Uh, the first is a single question. The second's a little bit more thorough. But uh, we know that the whole band isn't present today on the interview, though they are still present with you in a certain sense, which yeah. is sad for us, but... They're, they're here in spirit. And just to remember and acknowledge their wonderful and unique attributes, we'd like to ask a single question. If each band member was a vegetable, what would they be and why? Mm. Oh, man. Okay, well, um, I think, let's see, Scott would be... A carrot. Mm. That's because I don't know how this ties in, but it just hit me because he's our only band member with glasses, and carrots help your vision. So I don't know if that's kind of like uh, doesn't totally make sense, but uh, but Scott's a carrot because it has something to do with vision. Mm -hmm. Uh. Park is a potato. I don't know if that's vegetable. <laughs> we'll allow it. I, I yeah. think so. Sure. It's a, yeah, yeah. Park is a potato mostly because of the alliteration yeah. of park and potato. Yep. Mm. Yep. Um, my brother Will is a uh, pepper mm. because he's spicy. So like a hot pepper specifically? And, yeah. Yeah, he's okay. a hot pepper. Yep. Yeah. Do I have to vegetable myself? If you would uh, like to. I, I love I love the way that sounded. I don't know what vegetabling oneself per- pertains. Uh what's all wrapped up in that? But yeah, you should vegetable yourself, <laughs> I think. I'm gonna ve- I'm gonna uh vegetable myself 
and say that if I were a a vegetable, I would be, wait for it. This is a big, big question. You know, maybe okra. What about, what about okra? Uh, Cause I love it. And I have memories of, nope, nope. I take it back guys. Scratch okay. it. Yep. Sorry. My brother is a beat. Ooh, that's easy. Yep. Yep. You almost missed out on that one. Wow. Good yeah. recovery. Good recovery. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, with that in mind, maybe I'll be the pepper because I also like peppers and I probably can be uh, quite spicy as well, specifically with the beet. I like it. That's the best answer we've had to this question. And it doesn't matter that it's the first time we've asked. I didn't feel strong about it, but I'm glad. No, (laughs) No, this is great. You hit a home run there. Okay, thank you. All right, so we're going to actually do another game here. This one's a little bit more thorough. Uh, But you're at the point now where you have four records and a crap ton of songs. So we thought we'd create a fun little song quiz to test your own discography knowledge. So we're going to have you fill in the blank where a Colony House song is the answer. Okay. So, for example, if the question was, I was in Yosemite and decided to climb up, your answer would be El Capitan. I got it. Yeah, there, you there you go. go. There you go. Nice and easy. Nate, would you like to start us off? It would be my pleasure, Andrew. <laughs> I used to wet the bed blank when I was younger. Yep. Nice. That's a deep one. Way to go. I mean, it's <laughs> album, but it's like a it's a it's an interlude track. Yep. Uh huh. This is good. The problem I have with uh, running a podcast with Nate is that he sometimes writes things, so I have to read what he writes. Okay, okay, okay. Um, which is Andrew sucks at blank. Andrew sucks at. Hold on, I'm running through. Yep. Mm-hmm. Think of the new record. Wait, the new record also is on there? Yes. 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 Oh, oh, dang. Andrew sucks. Sorry. More selection. Yep. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> I don't believe that. Okay. I well, thank there's, you. There's a few things he's okay at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Nate. Uh, it was in this moment, at 34 years old, unemployed, living in my parents' basement, Cheeto dust crusted all over my fingers. Addicted to Call of Duty and Mountain Dew, still sitting at the kids' table at family holiday dinners that I realized I had to grow up. Nice. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The waiter told me to tell them when to stop with the Parmesan, and I said blank. Keep on keeping on. <laughs> that's a good answer we went with. that's really good uh okay hold on so, yeah uh so the waiters asked when to stop with the when, parmesan yeah yep. yep. they're, they're giving said, you the parm and i said oh man there's so many uh, <laughs> there is yeah uh, uh i think it's second record okay okay this is one two three four are you counting them down no, no. Okay. we we went We'll we'll just we have a few more, so yeah, we'll just pick okay. this. We went with, I won it all. I won it all. It's good. I almost I, yep. there was there was plenty on there. I was like, I was yeah. lose control. 
like <laughs> that, that, that would have been a great one uh, i like yeah. that one yeah okay this one you're gonna have to stay with me for a little bit we got a we got a bible excerpt here Ooh, then seizing jesus they led him away and took him into ha- the house of the high priest peter followed at a distance and when there, he, there was a kindled fire in the middle of the courtyard, and he had sat down together. Peter s- sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, Don't I know you? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's perfect. That's good. All right. I was like, dang, now I'm getting put on the spy if I know my body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't you know it. All right. Andrew. All right. When the Titans win the Super Bowl, it will be. It'll be glorious. There you go. Nice. This is a fun game, guys. Really. We, only, good. we got two more. Two okay. more. The Bills lost the Super Bowl. Blank straight times. This feels like uh should be a gimme, but think early nineties. Not for your music, but <laughs> like for the uh you did reference this song earlier. One, two, three, four. Are we going? There yes, go. sir. Four. Okay. Four, four straight times. Dang. Yeah, brutal. <laughs> All right. Um last question. Nate really did some research on this one. The Canapolis Blank are a minor league baseball team of the Carolina League and a single A affiliate of the Chicago White Sox. Oh, oh, where's the blank at? So after Canapolis, the Canapolis Blank. Oh, wow. So, oh, golly, the Canapolis new record. I mean, Cannonballers, maybe. There you go. Dude, you know what? It's funny. I think I've seen some like merchandise for that team because like That's awesome. when i've just been typing in whatever cannonballers <laughs> i've seen that logo pop up <laughs> amazing oh is well done fellas that really put the uh, i feel like my brain is like like starting to <laughs> hopefully it, it's uh not too much work you still have a little bit left in there yeah. so caleb you like speaking of baseball again hit it out of the park you did wonderful there wasn't meant to be a band pun there um (laughs) on a more serious note the last time we talked to you um was on the precipice of a global pandemic um and those times seem simple in hindsight you were getting ready to go on tour for leave what's lost behind and it felt like there was just a lot of momentum building for the band and then shut down And we can only imagine the disappointment. But we were wondering that over that next year or two, was there anything positive that was just unexpected that came out of COVID for the band? Um, Yeah. I mean, it's always tough because, you know, like, you always want to be sensitive to the people that just, you know, it sucked for everyone. Yep. It sucked a lot worse for some people than others. And there, there were so many things that were a bummer about, you know, you spend so much time working on these projects and then putting a tour together. And it feels like, man, this is ripping and it's awesome. And then, you know, it, that stuff happens and it uh, takes the wind out of the sails. However, mm-hmm. we felt really fortunate because something that album 
just um, even lyrically and everything almost started making more sense during the pandemic than it did before it. And uh, our producer, Ben Shive, actually texted us kind of right after we got kicked off the road and was like, no matter what, you know, you're feeling right now, I know it sucks. Like, I think this record was supposed to come out exactly when it came out. I don't want y'all to question that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like, it was really encouraging, even though you have all these big dreams for it. I think for us, what ended up happening in that moment is, you know, we transitioned from going like, well, how can we get this these songs out on the road to mm-hmm. how can we get these songs into people's homes still, you know? And, uh, and so I started working on, uh, well, actually our front of house engineer and my brother who plays drums in the band started working on just editing some of the live show together, just the music from the 14 or 15 shows we got to play on that tour. Mm -hmm. And we started, we didn't even know our front of house was recording and we started getting some mixes back and we're like, Hey, this is actually pretty good. We could maybe do something. Mm -hmm. So we started thinking, well, we've got all this time. Maybe we put together a live album Mm -hmm. because we've never done that. And then I started going back through footage of, uh, like creating the album, creating all the content. We'd done this out West trip that we probably talked about on the last podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, filmed a bunch of stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, uh, I ended up making a whole movie from these songs being mixed to these videos, kind of elements coming together. And it was like I did uh, the first 10 minutes that we released on YouTube and then or maybe 15 minutes or whatever. And it got a great reaction. And I was like, I think there's more here. And and so I just like hunkered down literally just for like three or four months and just poured through footage we had um, a friend of ours uh, collect a ton of fan footage. Um, mm-hmm. And so we incorporated a ton of iPhone videos from tour and just told the story. Like this, I guess the story that we discovered is, you know, everyone has, uh, has these moments where something unexpected happened right now. We're all in the same boat. And that is, mm-hmm. we've all been shut down and, this is what the band is doing with that moment. And the question is posed in the, you know, in the movie kind of rhetorically, like what, what are you doing with the shutdown? You know, what, what are you making of this? So we put this together, we did. um, And then maybe one of the coolest things our band has ever done is in the middle of the pandemic, everyone started doing these pop-up like uh, socially distant drive-in shows Mm-hmm. And we were like, well, we're making this movie. Let's do a drive-in show, but actually make it like a drive-in movie and premiere it. And then we'll come on stage after and play a show. And so we ended up doing two nights here in Franklin and people drove from all over the place. And uh, we showed the movie, played two shows, outdoor like car, like 2000 people or something, you know, there was like hundreds and hundreds of cars parked. I mean, it was, it was wild, dude. It was like throwing our own festival in the middle of the pandemic 
And we were also like, we had friends and bands reaching out, like, how did y'all pull this off? And we're like, I don't know, dude. Like, <laughs> it was so sketchy. We, it was one of those things in hindsight, I think we were desperate to just, it wasn't about, honestly, like we needed to make money, but it really wasn't about even that. It was just like, I think the, the, the desire was like, we need to, these songs still have life and we want to make sure that they, people can experience them. And we're yeah. trying to create that for people. And that was what this show is about. In hindsight, if that show would have flopped, uh, it'd be interesting to see where Colony House uh, would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because we put a lot on the line financially. I was like, we do not have the money we were putting on the line for this. If, if <laughs> it goes south, you know. Um, so it didn't go south. It worked out great and ended up that like, that movie got selected for some film festivals and which was like a dream of mine. I don't care about like even, you know, winning awards or whatever. It was just, it was like, we made something good enough to be shown at their little film festival. Hey, look at us. So um, that was, I would say the long answer of, of just like a really beautiful moment in the middle of, a storm, you know, it was just yep. everyone felt you could feel it in the air. Like everyone felt desperate to be together. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure y'all remember it doesn't matter what side of the political line you, you know, fall on. It was just so weird. And you couldn't, you, you like as a band, you're like, we want to be, we want people to be safe. We want people to feel comfortable. Uh, but we want people to live their lives and and be able to enjoy music you know that's so how do we how do we figure this out and you could feel it at that show like everyone just was like "Ah, it's good to be Mm -hmm. around people even if we're in our cars parked you know six feet apart from each other or whatever it is so it just felt like it broke down all those walls and it was for the you know 48 hours like a little taste of you know hey we're gonna be okay so that would have been the highlight and you know that continues to be a calling house theme is like it feels like a grind always a struggle of sorts of like how are we going to get to the how are we going to make this tour work how are we going to make this show work how i think that's every band every entity probably ever but like it's for us, it's about creating things, putting a spin on something you think you know what it's all about. And then there's like yeah. some twist to it. And it's like, that's the colony house DNA of, uh-huh. oh, I wouldn't have expected that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah. So cool to hear. The reason why we wanted to ask about the positives of COVID, and it's, I mean, I think you answered so well in the sense of like, it feels weird and wrong talking about the positives of COVID. It's, the reason why we asked about the positives because I think the record deals a lot with the negatives of COVID, the yeah. cannonballers. Yeah. And I think it's less about COVID in the sense of like as a theme and more just about how COVID for all of us magnified things that were already there and brought th- surface things that were hidden deep below. Yeah. And I think that's what the record feels like it seems to be highlighting and focusing on all of those things. And so how were those two years 
or so of COVID formational for you and the band as a whole and the creation of this new record? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. It's funny because people have been, uh, people have been asking, well, I, 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 I've been telling people like we didn't want to make a COVID album. Mm-hmm. It was like the, our, in that time, it was like, just because we all of a sudden have two years to do stuff. I, I don't want that to be the inspiration of our next album in hindsight. Of course, that's going to be the inspiration. (laughs) Because we're we're an observational band. We write things about what we're experiencing, and we want to be an open book. So it's not our COVID album, uh, but it is dealing with all the things we were thinking about in that time. So so, um, it is our COVID album. I got to just... Anyways, I think... You're right. We were it, it it magnified so much culturally what we were going through and like uh individually. I think the biggest takeaway for me is uh we were all forced into this like sabbatical. And if we're talking about positives, it's a hard positive to to admit, but I think I think there was a little bit of grieving that happened when we were coming out of the pandemic, where it was like, you know what? We all found something really beautiful because we realized we were all going so fast and this forced us to like pull the reins and slow down. And that is something I think that is built into us as humans and we just ignore it. Like we have to go to sleep. If we don't go to sleep, we will die. (laughs) We will (laughs) just eventually we just won't be able to take it anymore and we'll get sick and we'll and like if you kind of magnify that you have to incorporate those kind of things into life and i think that's kind of what the pandemic did um Mm -hmm. and so i think that was a huge observation for myself is going man i've just been I've been cruising so fast and I'm missing things and I want to slow down and I don't want this season to end. I do want it to end the pandemic, but I don't want it to end and then just get back to where we were. Um, And so uh, I think ultimately that was a big, a big part of it. I think another one was uh, the pandemic brought us home for a long time and we hadn't been home for a long time and we all kind of fell back in love with Tennessee it was like oh this is our home we were all born and raised here and uh and there's a reason why we've stuck around for so long and obviously we got fans or friends and family here we've got Uh um we've got memories we've got Uh uh heartache and also you know so many you know fond memories and it all kind of creates what is home for us so i think a huge part of this album was um looking at tennessee as like as a beacon of light in all of the kind of craziness as well and Uh, there's a lot of that woven throughout it is as well. So that, I mean, I'd say the pandemic helped kind of shine a light on that as well. 
Um, yeah, I could get into so many details on that. But <laughs> I, I don't know. The last thing I'll say, sorry, I, I haven't collected my thoughts well, but like good. I, the last thing I'll say is that, you know, there were so many hard things that happened toward the end of the pandemic uh, for for a lot of us. It was when we were starting to figure out how to get it back on the road. It got awkward um, with trying to figure out how to play shows again. And sure. uh, it got awkward in the band a little bit, which is all mm -hmm. fortunately uh, water under the bridge at this point. And, but like everything was uncomfortable. And then I had friends that I hadn't, you know, kept up with who uh you know lost loved ones and it started hitting home really hard of like man have i been a terrible friend or has mm. has time just kind of taken its toll and we're just mm -hmm. not in community anymore and that's okay yeah. because it's just the natural way of things or i don't know there's so many of those things where it's like coming to terms with uh life and death and yeah there was so much of that that uh i think it got me in the feels a little bit and i started looking back yeah. on even going back to childhood memories of of being like man uh yeah how do i how do i find a meaning for this do i or do i need to or is there um or I don't know. I think that's the yeah. cannonballers is, is sometimes I feel like I've, I've got a hold on an idea. And then other times I'm like, I have no idea. It's all confusing yeah. to me and trying to come to terms with being okay with that. Mm. I don't know. Terrible, yeah. terrible. If you can follow <laughs> that listener of this <laughs> way to go, I'm sorry, but well, that's, that's no, how thank it is up here. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think uh fans appreciate that that kind of conflict that you're you're defining and sometimes holding tight to like I have an idea and sometimes letting go and going I have no idea and I I think uh I think you explained it well um so thank you for taking us behind yeah, some of the concept of the album uh we're going to kind of transition a little bit into talking more specifics of the album a little bit so yeah. on Leave What's Lost Behind you work with Ben Shive as your producer you already mentioned uh him earlier um we just wanted to see did you work with Ben again did you work with a different producer this time and what was the main difference in recording and production uh, of this album compared to your past records? Yeah. Uh, so Ben, is, so we worked with a new producer on this album. It was like a really intentional decision. Ben's produced so much of our stuff when I was younger and then leave what's lost behind. Um, and we had known of and met uh, our producer for the Cannonballers, Chad Copeland many times and have always wanted to work with him. Mm -hmm. And we had made every album up till this point in Nashville. And so yeah. we were like, Hey, what would it be like if we did the whole thing somewhere else? And Chad lives in Oklahoma. And so, uh, we went and did a couple songs with him just to see if there was good chemistry and there was awesome chemistry, like kindred spirits, uh and the creative 
process just was so aligned that we're like, man, this would be awesome. So we did the whole thing with Chad Copeland in Norman, yep. Oklahoma. And we did a, like a week, a little, about a week also down in El Paso at Sonic Ranch. Um, did a lot of the like heavy tracking, like big drums and stuff there. And it was just awesome. Dude. It, I mean, it, it was a little tough on the families because usually recording time is when you're home. Uh, and we went away for recording and it, it, it took a little longer than expected, but, um, Chad is one of those dudes that just, uh, never settles. He's okay with like tearing things down and rebuilding them. Uh, and we did a lot of that on this album. We'd finish a song and we'd be like, what if it was like this? And then we'd start over. <laughs> um, and, and he was there for it the whole time, which was really, yeah. really encouraging. I think we uh, we pushed it to the limits and just like wanted to make sure, you know, we wanted to make sure the best thing was coming out next from Colin yep. House, as we always do. But like, yeah, so many of those things you don't know unless you tear it down, start over, and you're like, actually, I think we had it built right the first time. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. So the band has coined the phrase landlocked surf rock, which is the title of your intro track. Yeah. Uh, despite living nowhere near the ocean, yeah. one of the main sounds on the record is more of that kind of Beach Boys or the Trash Men surf rock yeah. combined with the Colony House flair. Yeah. And in the past, you've mentioned U2 as a big influence, which has been clear in, in more your past work as a band. But uh, who have been some influences for this new wave of surf rock for you guys? Yeah, I mean, we've always, I'd say only the lonely started kind of this like people yeah well you, you know it there's songs like was it me and mm -hmm. uh, i want it all and even like one two three four there's just a little bit of like these old doo-wop progression yes and yes. and we got and the reason that happened was because after our first album mm -hmm. we would do like even the silhouettes and second guessing games uh had and even I mean, caught me the kind of the first half of the album. Yeah. Uh, people were like, you kind of have a Roy Orbison vibe. Do you listen to Roy Orbison? Mm. I was like, nope. But <laughs> then I got super into Roy Orbison because of that. Yeah. And that's what only the, inspired Only the Lonely to the oh, title yeah. of the album. Um, and after that album, we had toured with some folks, our friends in Switchfoot, who are quite the surf rock band <laughs> not in sound but in yeah. uh, they they were like you guys are like uh we played their um charity event bro the bro am and they were like mm -hmm. you guys are kind of like a surf rock band but but from tennessee <laughs> we're like yeah yeah that's cool so we always we kind of leaned into that uh, yeah. there's a little bit of it on lee was lost behind i'd say that kind of lee was lost behind goes a little more u2 than uh, yeah. Roy Orbison. Yes. Um, but on this one, we just, yeah, we, uh, Landlocked Surf Rock was an early idea. And I was like, that is our genre. We just, we just uh, titled it ourselves because there's yeah. a little bit of this surf rock thing, but it's not total surf rock. Sure. Uh, but there's this twang to it that will like, you know, landlocked surf rock is probably leans more rockabilly than it does even surf rock. Yeah. Um, but then you've got uh, a song 
at the end of the album, like, do you ever feel that has like a real kind of like twang to it in guitar tone? Yeah. So we're like, this kind of encapsulates everything. It puts a parameter on the sound and it kind of helps you make decisions like, okay, let's do that instead of this, because that kind of fits inside either the landlocked version of Colony House or the surf yeah. version of Colony House. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that. Uh, so yeah, it, we, I forget the original question, but, uh, <laughs> it was just about influences, but I feel yeah. like you, you answered. Yeah, I, oh yeah. Who were, yes. In to that point, a big influence was a band. They've always been an influence, but a band that Chad works a lot with called Broncho. Um, Oklahoma is like, there was so much of that because Chad's a huge part of, of their sound. Uh, and, um, I'm trying to think on like newer, newer influences. Oh, um, there's this band, uh, I don't know where they're based out of dead. Have you heard? Oh yeah. D E H D. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also like really cool, like minimal, not surfy, but just like kind of like they've got these e- epic mel- melodies over kind of minimal mm-hmm. rock music. Yeah. Um, and they had recorded at Sonic Ranch, so that was kind of how we were introduced to them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're so influenced by the kind of the scene you're in. And in Norman, where Chad is, there's a really cool community of music with Tulsa being close and Norman. Mm-hmm. Um, that bands like Will Dorado, who we've been fans of for a while, worked with Chad uh, on a couple of their albums. Uh, their sound's influential. They've got kind of a Kings of Leon like they would lean a little more in the landlocked side of things. Uh, yep. And a band called Sports, who works a lot with Chad. And uh, and even Christian, one of the guys in the band, helped kind of uh, assist an engineer for a couple weeks. And so it's just cool. There's like, there's just a cool community of really, really good music makers out in Oklahoma yeah. that we felt like we found ourselves a part of uh, and we're very fortunate. It was really cool. So you were touching on this, this kind of in-between space where you're both and, and sort of the landlock and the surf rock. Um, what's the process you talked about like trying to make decisions around songs you have certain songs like the title track which transitions to more of a surf rock verse for instance to a modern arena rock type chorus what's the overall process for the band in deciding okay like how deep do we want to go in this subgenre of rock how deep do we want to go over here and creating a balance of it all like because i think some songs are like flowing in between and some songs are a little bit more distinctly one or the other yeah um i always want it to be more uh um like congruent or like consistent that's like as an artist you're like i want it to all be this vibe and it'll be a really clear message we really went after this sound yeah. uh even down to like this would be way easier to market if we just said this is the sound yeah. but like i think after four albums it's like i'm just not that, that's gonna be maybe part of the colony house thing is track yeah. to track it's gonna kind of keep you on your toes yeah. And um, and so 
you hope to find the threads that tie them together. Like how yeah. it's like building a set list almost. It's it's yeah. okay, how do we get from landlocked surf rock uh, into Wujikuja? That makes sense. Into Cannonballers. Okay, we're kind of in this like uh, surfy indie rock thing, and then we go trying to survive. I think, which is a big kind of indie like alternative rock anthem yeah. Yeah. go one of those days which is like a pop track and pop. for you guys at right. least yeah it's still rock but for you that's like a pop track absolutely and and that was like i mean and it was even popular before like the demo was like even like we kind of i would say that was another influence was like the milky chance thing where it's like okay how do you get yeah these guys are doing like really cool pop stuff, but it's uh, it's with this kind of alternative flair, um, real minimal, and but real engaging. And then, but then, like we can't help ourselves doing the like, uh, do you ever feel type songs that are these like big, spacious? That's like if we, um. Yeah, I don't know. Those are the ones that come natural to the band, where it's just like, oh, yeah. we could do this all day. Like, the in between stuff, the, you know, one of those days, that's a, that's the stretch more on like, how do we make this feel like a rock song still? But it's, yeah. uh, but it's a pop song. I don't know. That's yeah. where Chad came in really handy because he, yeah. Chad works, I mean, he's worked on Sean Mendez stuff. So it's like, he, he gets, that world but he's a guitar player synth player like he kind of played as much of everything on the album as all of us did so um down to like the voicings of chords on the guitar is like well if we did Mm. this this would feel more rock than pop yeah as opposed to you know uh this inversion of the chord let's do you know your one five power chord you know And and that'll probably take it a little more into the colony house world. So, yeah, well, so much, so many factors <laughs> into all that stuff. Yeah, but uh, it is colony house is just kind of a big old like swirl of influence, and I think it comes out in the songs we're writing. I think, but I think like as each album happens, and in hindsight, I think we like narrow it down a little more. Yeah start to figure it out even more but i love i mean we get to play music we're i use the word loosely but we're artists and if you put artists in a box that sucks yeah. <laughs> our our art is is doing things that make us like smile and and like yeah. it makes us feel something so that might be a landlocked surf rock that's this goofy weird eclectic track or you know, maybe it's I'm not dying. That's like this cowboy kind of sit around the campfire song. Um, mm, and yeah. both of them yeah. inspire us. Yeah. You talked about pushing yourself and the band pushing themselves vocally. We talked last time about how you're always trying to push the envelope, develop your sound. You told this really cool story about John Foreman, how he's like, if you can think it, you can sing it. On the Cannonballers, which it sounds still sounds stupid, but he's just I feel like he's just that <laughs> bold and that good that he, he, he can say it. that. Um, 
On the cannonballers, I think one newer technique, at least in our perspective, a newer technique you've used throughout the record is more of a shout singing, mm-hmm. which is really cool. I don't know the correct term, what that would be. But for instance, like on much of the vocals on trying to survive the harmonies on one of these days in the chorus, for instance, mm-hmm. um, sprinkled throughout Land Rock, Surf Rock, there's a little bit of like shout singing or yeah. however you want to categorize that. Yeah. With this balance of yelling and singing, it's both like raw and melodic at the same time, which I think is really cool. What yeah. led you to discover or try out this newer technique or approach? Or do you even see it the way I'm describing it? No, I, I see it that way. And it, it's coming to bite me in the butt, so to speak. <laughs> For live shows? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think it's just me writing songs in the wrong key. And then it's like, you get used to it and all your guys are like, nope, it has to be in that key. It feels good. You, If you lower it, you lose the intensity. And I'm like, yeah. well, we'll see how long this tour lasts then. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. It is, I do always want to push myself and figure out, I know, you know, ways to push my vocals mm-hmm. where I'm not hurting, hurting them. But like, yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, you, you discover, I, I think I started uncovering that on leave what's lost behind. Uh, I may have mentioned it on our last podcast, but I recorded a lot of those vocals by myself. Yeah. And it like, I was kind of like, okay, when I'm not intimidated by a room full of people, I seem to go for things a little bit more and maybe I can do this. Uh, yeah. and so I, on this record, I I recorded them with everyone in the room or with Chad or whatever. And I just decided like, Hey man, I am a little bit of a head case and I know that. So I'm not going to overthink these vocals. If you think it sounds good, tell me to move on. I don't want to sing it just to sing it. Like the quicker I can get through a vocal, uh, it used to be the opposite. I used to be like, well, give me like 20 and then pick the best one. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, if I can do it in one or two, if it sounds good, let's carry on, get out of here. I'll just overthink it and then get stuck. Um, Yep. So that's kind of even live. Like I don't really care if I miss a note that it's okay. I'm like, if I, if I have to prove to you at this point that I can sing, then maybe, it's, maybe I'm not your guy. You know, it's like, I, I, I'm, yeah. I've never, you know, since like being a kid and, you know, trying out for musicals or the school like program where I got the solo or whatever, I've always been insecure in that, in my voice. And I mean, I was literally thinking about this today. I remember in like sixth grade, I was at rehearsal and it was the whole school was there and I missed my moment to start singing and I couldn't recover. And I just started crying in front of the whole school. And, and it, like, I'm like, it's a funny thing to think back on, but it, there's some kind of trauma attached to that because I'm still thinking about it. And I think about that. If I think about those things too much before going on stage, it's why artists will be like, I can't, sorry, I got to cancel the show tonight. I'm having a panic attack or whatever. Cause they just, there's so much that can go wrong with a show that if I think about it too much, 
I'll start panicking. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. you know what? I'd rather just get out there and I'll probably forget the words. I'll probably mm. crack at some point. I'll probably go for something and it's not going to happen. And mm-hmm. the, the more I can just like be comfortable in that and be like, that, that's just part of the colony house sound, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh, then the, the, I guess the more emotionally healthy I am and mentally healthy um, I am. So that's kind of how I treat the, even the process in the studio now where I'm like, yeah. you know, if the emotion is right, you know, that's, that's enough for me, you know? Yeah. Well, I love the album title, The Cannonballers, because I think it evokes two opposite images, one of war and fighting and the other of fun and happiness. Thematically through the album, both of these are present, less the literal war and more you fighting for specific people or even yourself. Then also there's this childlike sense of joy, which is emphasized, especially through the sound of the record. Mm -hmm. So what about the title made you gravitate towards it? And how do you feel like it represents the overall theme of the record? Yeah, I, I, the cannonballers felt we loved it because we were like, this was an alter ego, the cannonballers. Like it's it sounds like a band name, and we mm-hmm. love that about it. Our manager was like, "It's confusing." I was like, "I don't care." We're, it's, <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, the other thing the Cannonballers had going for it is it's five syllables long, and yep. uh, mm. we uh, we seem to have found ourselves sticking to the five syllable theme with our album titles. Yeah. Uh, that was a Kings of Leon thing that when we were making our first album, we had read about and we we're like, wait, youth and young manhood only by the night because of the times mechanical bull, uh, even walls, which was, uh, an acronym for something mm-hmm. was five, like five letters. Yeah. All of them have <laughs> five, five syllables. So we were like, well, work yeah. for them. Maybe we'll see. Uh, yeah. quite panned out the same way, but <laughs> uh, that the Cannonballers had that going for it. But we, uh, yeah. yeah, we, on one hand, we feel like the Cannonballers, like you said, is like a kid cannonballing into yeah. the water, not a care in the world. It's like yeah. the scene from the Sandlot where uh, Mr. Ham Porter goes ham and balling into the pool and, uh, and, and like that energy of like, this is a, all about, uh, there's like a little bit of mischief, mm-hmm. but mostly just charisma and youthful naivety and all that good stuff. Yes. And the cannonballers, like there's like the other side that's kind of the, it's, it's kind of what the, I've used a lot of like skeleton imagery in, in the, new you know artwork and stuff where it's like it's kind of the yin and yang like there's this like darker kind of road rally uh no care in the world for you know law or anything it's just like this is a need for speed and that's that if we go back to the beginning of this interview kind of that juxtaposition of like uh it's the unhealthy cannonballer it's the one like gotta keep going gotta bust through the walls i don't care the damage that's done while i'm doing it uh i'm a cannonballer you know and and 
there's something it's like if you can rein that in that's a really confident like powerful kind of uh person or a powerful place to position yourself but it's really easy to be unhealthy too and same with the uh same with the kid it's like that's really powerful but it also can be healthy if it's uh you know if it's just childlike and it's just being unaware or whatever so i feel like the cannonballers is all about the in between it's like the balance of like balance of good and evil you know it's tales all this time uh the balance of of youthfulness and growing up and um i just felt like i think all of us felt like it encapsulated the whole vibe of the album felt like everything could live under the cannonballers so i i think what's interesting is leave what's lost behind we had talked about how it's very it's somewhat on the nose of a concept record right the songs on the cannonballers do not give this concept record sound right. or feel but the title and the and the imagery and where you can go with that i do think create this concept album feel which i think it's a i felt weird thinking about it because i was like it feels like a concept album even though it's not and so i right. think it was just so cool how you guys were able to do that it's funny you say um, that because the like that was a rule of ours was at the beginning was like we don't want to choose songs based on the concept we want yeah, all, yeah. songs can live by themselves but we're like, I think it's maybe part of kind of the way I like telling stories is like, it has to have some kind of concept. <laughs> yeah, yep. It helps me finish songs. It helps me like uh, find a rhythm or something. So, uh, but yeah, it's, that's like exactly what ended up happening. It's like kind of conceptual in hindsight, but in the moment, mm-hmm. it was yeah. just whatever was happening. So we're going to transition, close it out uh, with favorite song. Uh, It's always an awkward question to ask an artist. And so just to give you some, you don't have to answer, but we'll give you some time to process. Andrew, what's your favorite song on the album at this particular moment in time? (laughs) At um, two o'clock Eastern Standard Time. um, I'm going to go with Cannonballers, the, the grooves and feel of that song get me every time i think it's uh i i think it it feels so true to colony house because of the the grooves and just i feel like you guys are really good at changing up time signatures and all that yeah. stuff and, and this feels like that's kind of the underlying feel but it's just so fun every Thanks, time dude. and i feel like it grows on me every time too so Appreciate uh cannonballers nate how about you i'm going uh with everything I, and I mean all, all the all the songs. Right, right. I, I, I'm going with everything, and part of it is because the front half of the record is boom, 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 boom. I think yeah. everything hits that much harder because it is such a reprieve, and it like really slows you down. But then it elevates to this like really high soaring level. Yeah. But for me, it's mainly the emotion. Yeah. of the lyrics and obviously the sound contributing to that. I think you talked about just like all these feelings with COVID and yeah. this song like really like 
hits you in the feels. And so I just love uh, that track because of that. Hey, dude, that was, uh, that was the first song we did with Chad, like a year before we did the rest of the stuff and he knocked it out of the park. Cause it was like this singer songwriter thing. I had. And then it turned into like a rock and roll song. And what was so tricky about that lyric to me was like, is this just so on the nose that it's like, is it too cute? Is it too? And I was trying to explain it, even to my wife. I was like, she's like, what's this song about? I, was just like, <laughs> you know, I think you know where I'm. <laughs> I, like, oh, no, I know it's, like, but the, to me, what's cool about that song. I love that song too. It's, it's definitely a front runner uh, because of how simple it is. I think the lyric and everything uh, was meant to be like, and, and I think why why it came out of the COVID season was like, sometimes the people that are closest to us are the harder, uh, like are the hardest people to tell you love them. It's like my, mm. it's like, what? Uh, why is that? Like, uh, why is it awkward sometimes to say those words? Like, y'all know that feeling, right? Where it's yeah. like, it, it's easy maybe in passing to be say I love you. Uh, to family or friends when it's just like a it's like a response love you love you too um but to like look at someone in the eyes and say i love you is kind of awkward like i i love my brother to sit down and look at him and be like hey man i love you it's an intense moment because it's well it, and so i think that was the point of that song uh to be like this is for some people maybe this is like I really like this girl and I don't know how to tell her that totally works, but maybe it's, I've been married to this girl for 40 years and I do love her, but I don't really know how to tell her still. Like, how do I? So anyways, uh, that's cool that you picked up on that. Um, for me, all, it is a tough question. Um, I'm going to, just to, to add one more to the pot, um, I'd say it's kind of a tie between Do You Ever Feel and Ant-Man on the Run. Both kind of similar head spaces. Uh, Do You Ever Feel I wrote from one of my best friends growing up. And I actually literally, like maybe a week ago, sent him the song because I I haven't hung out with him in years. And, uh, but I mean, I, I mean, since like second grade, when he came to the school I was at, we were best buddies through high school. Um, and, uh, his mom was like a second mom to me. I'd stay at his house. They lived really close to school. So I'd just stay at their house and walk to school. I mean, so many memories and do you ever feel is just chock full of 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 those things like the song opened with meet me at the corner church which was this place where all the high schoolers would meet before they went down in nashville or went down to franklin or went to bellevue because it was right in the middle of all of our, all of our kind of suburbs and uh and it talks about kind of ambiguous imagery that are really specific memories for us, you know? And so I was scared to send it to him. His, his mom passed away um, of cancer, right? Kind of toward the end of the pandemic era. 
and we were on the road and I, you know, it, it was such a crazy moment because, um, he was there, you know, I, me and my family walked through the loss of my little sister a long time ago. And he was the first one, he was on senior trip and he flew home in the middle of it and was like the first of my friends to kind of embrace me in that moment. And, you know, I was on tour in Orlando when his mom's funeral was and playing to like 200 people. And I had to miss like my best friend's mom's funeral. And I was like, for 200 people for my music, like, I don't know. It just, and not to downplay, um, you know, a show and all 200 of those people are very important to me, but I just can't help but ask myself, am I a terrible friend? (laughs) You know? And so that was a, you know, it was scary to send him that song, uh, a little bit, but then uh, he texted me out of the blue on a day that I actually had a text typed out to him. I just hadn't, I chickened out and, but he texted me that day and it was like, I forget just checking up. And I was like, dude, I was about to send this to you. But I got nervous, but here's a song and very beautiful moment of kind of reconnecting and um, uh, yeah, just um maybe one of those it uh kind of like ties into the everything theme like there's someone obviously love their whole family um but it's hard to hard to tell them and hard to figure out how to tell them so uh it's just a really important and special song to me uh and um and man on the run is is a similar kind of sentiment of just asking big questions, um, having conversations with myself, having conversations, you know, a lot of my songs on any given uh, day could be me talking with God or me talking with my wife or, you know, the conversations seem similar with the people that you care about. Uh, And uh, especially when it comes to identity and figuring out who you are, you know, so much of who we are is, um, is kind of how we're perceived and how we are in relationship to someone else. Um, and that's a big part of, I think some of these songs is identity and, you know, I want to be, I want to be me but I also care uh, about being me with other people. Like I can be the best me, but I want to, I want that to include the people I care most about. Um, so man on the runs, a quite a, quite an expose on Caleb's soul. <laughs> <laughs> man. Well, Caleb, thanks so much for being vulnerable and sharing yeah. Both about both those songs and everything you've shared. I think it's hard to open up. Um, And I'm sure sharing with us is not nearly as hard as it was opening up to him. And so I think it's such a beautiful uh, moment. And it adds, I think why we do this podcast is 
kind of so somebody can listen to you sharing that and it changes the record for them in a unique way because of something they've gone through or whatever and so we just want to thank you thank you thank the band for allowing you to leave uh practice i know you're this is probably on a break anyways, but, uh, and we just want to wish you the best of luck on this upcoming U S yeah. tour and okay. the future. We know bright things. Kings of Leon better watch the <laughs> heck out because you are coming for them. Oh man. Hey, you know what? I would be honored. I'd be honored to, uh, to uh, approach their shadow, you know? <laughs> so we just want to say, have a great day Thanks, and, guys. uh, appreciate y'all. God bless you. Yeah. Same. Appreciate y'all. That was our interview with Caleb from Colony House. We hope you enjoyed the interview. We had a blast talking to him. Um, So definitely reach out. Thank him for being on the pod. Uh, Let us know your favorite uh, song from this album. There's so many good options there, and we'd love to hear what songs you are enjoying from the Cannonballers. Also make sure uh, they are going on tour here soon. Make sure to get your tickets, uh, get your merch. Just support Colony House uh, any way you can. If you would like to support the podcast, you can find us on our socials on uh, Twitter and Instagram at LDLPod. You can also email us at listening at gmail.com. And we'd really appreciate if you would uh, subscribe to the podcast and, and like and comment and all that stuff that goes along way so thank you for listening and have a great rest of your day great Mitch Hedberg. I used to wet the bed. I still do, but I used to as well.